0: Hello 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 and welcome to the Kingston Curator here on CFRC 101.9 FM. The Curator is your weekly arts and culture news program bringing you the latest and most intriguing in local creative pursuits. My name is Lauren Tucker and I'm very happy to be your host teaming up with our outreach coordinator Mary McKetty. On this program we'll be featuring arts headlines, interviews, reviews and more and of course our live music calendar all throughout the summer. This afternoon, we've got a very special episode on the Docket highlighting three upcoming festivals and events: the Spring Reverb Music Festival, the Festival of Live Digital Art, and the Art of Community Tet Tuesday exhibition. Stay tuned for conversation with Spring Reverb performers Monac, Kelsey McNulty of Good Fortune, and Tom Savage of the Savage Family Band. Also featured on the program this week is Alice Millow and Sasha Jimenez French of the Tet Center, co-curators of the Tet Tuesday exhibition, as well as co-curator of the Festival. of Live Digital Art, Michael Wheeler. We'll get to all of that coming up, but first, let's start with our headlines. Kingston's local independent cinema, The Screening Room, is reaching out to moviegoers for support in their 2023 projector donation drive. One projector at the local cinema is currently failing, and while still in recovery from the pandemic blows they have suffered, The Drive aims to raise $60,000 to replace it. Luckily, The Drive has raised over half of that, $38,000, as of May 24th. If you want to help The Screening Room keep the momentum going, you can donate now through their website and get a perk package, or tune in to the 24-hour our Trash Cinema Telethon stream on June 10th and 11th with host Dan Simpson of Eyebrow Cinema, or simply check out a movie or spread the word. Visit ScreeningRoomKingston.com for more information and current showtimes. From now until June 4th at the Baby Grand Theatre, Civilized, a new work by Keir Cutler and performed by award-winning Métis actor John D. Huston, will be playing evening and matinee performances. The story follows that of William Blank, a fictional federal bureaucrat from the year 1907, resurrected into the present day, who seeks to defend the indefensible residential schools. This acclaimed new production is a play, quote, about the banality of evil and putting it right and is, quote, a compelling look at how colonialist ideas of what it means to be civilized were responsible for the horrors inflicted on First Nations people. Tickets are available now through the Kingston Grand box office and at kingstongrand.ca slash events. Local poet and host of CFRC's Finding a Voice, Bruce Kaufman, will be hosting a book launch event for his latest collection still arriving on Sunday, June 4th at 6pm at Novel Idea Bookstore. This is his fifth poetry collection, and the launch event will include readings and an acoustic guitar performance from his good friend Erwin Strait, performing some favorite songs to set the mood. The Facebook event is available through Novel Idea Bookstore's Facebook page, so be sure to check it out for a lovely evening of poetry and music in the downtown. Spring Reverb kicked off last night, June 1st, with shows across three downtown venues, and the festival keeps rolling until Sunday, June 4th, with over 100 performers and guest speakers at concerts and panels in the downtown. Today we're bringing you three upcoming Spring Reverb acts, starting off with local band Monac playing the 6.30pm set at the Mansion tonight, June 2nd, supporting headlining group f Up. Here's Outreach Coordinator Mary McKetty with Monac chatting about the upcoming gig. Hello
1: to everyone here on CFRC 101.9 FM, tuning into this week's episode of Kingston Curator with Lauren Tucker and myself, Mary McKetty. For my first interview this week, I'm sitting down with Andrew, Ryan, and Nick from Monic to talk about their discography and live show at Spring Reverb that's happening tonight. Monic is an alternative pop punk band made up by Andrew, Ryan, Nick, and Curtis who love to write, play, and evolve their music as they embark on the second chapter of their musical career. Thank you so much for coming out. I'm here with Monic. I pronounced it right. <laughs> um, so, start off our interview i wanted to ask how did your band first form
2: we formed like three four years ago with a completely different lineup i'm the only original member left we just got started doing blink 182 covers which led to hey we could do some originals Mm -hmm. which led to playing some shows and meeting up with these guys along the way and now we're here you made it here yeah
1: nice that's cool. how is it working with um, people, if you're the, like the original band member, how did that kind of change go from working with the people you were with before to um? It, no?
2: it felt pretty natural. Like, we just, we met him, we met Ryan, I'm pointing at him, <laughs> just <laughs> saying we met him. Uh, this guy. We met <laughs> yeah, Ryan <laughs> um, recording Dooner, mm-hmm. and I was just amazed by the amount of knowledge he has musically, and lo and behold, he is incredibly talented musically. Um, I'm blushing. Yeah, <laughs> And uh, I forget who it is. Was it our old drummer that brought you in, Nick? Yeah. Uh, he brought Nick in, and Nick is also incredibly talented. Everyone's incredibly talented, basically. But Nick's pretty like easygoing and easy to work with, uh, easy to run ideas off of, good planner. And uh, Curtis, who is not here right now, our new drummer, we've known him for a long time. And when we were looking for a new drummer, he was the first to message and be me like, I will buy a kit to join the band. We were like, okay, well, we'll give you a shot. And, uh, and he's in. He's very good.
3: And he, yeah, he's killing it.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Um, so on the note about, like, music and tunes and stuff like that, um, I took a listen to Duner. um, mentioned that earlier, Mm. and I noticed that, um, obviously you're known for alt pop and for punk music, like, the mix of all of it, and I thought that the album, it sounded like a really good mix of all of those. Um, like, when you go from a song like Turn It Out to Grandfather Clock, big difference. But all Big very jump. good. Big jump. Um, so I wanted to know, um, what's it like to create songs that are from such different genres? I, yeah, I was
3: going to say, I really feel like that's an
2: Andrew question again. Um, it, it's pretty rewarding. It kind of... Thank you. It's... Uh, I don't like to limit what we can write, so I kind of feel like being in this band kind of makes it easy to just like express ourselves however we want to. Like... We can have those angry bursts of energy and then we can just like bum everyone out at the end of the album like that.
4: I would also say that we we come from such a diverse background in terms of music and a lot of us have, have had experience in various different bands and I think one of the big takeaways is that you know I've realized that instead of limiting yourself and trying to like kind of Stovepiping yourself into like this is the type of music that we're gonna write and we can't do anything else and every time that you get inspiration to write something you like you can't express yourself in that way you're just kind of limiting yourself so we've kind of always had the mantra that like if you want to write something and throw it on the table like you know we're gonna listen to it we're gonna hear it out and if we can make it work like why not because this is it's an expression thing we want everyone to be able to enjoy um what they create and be able to put it out there
1: yeah that was very well put it's also just really cool like being able to hear so many different sounds that you get to experiment with as well like in your debut album going off of that i wanted to know if there are any new projects that you're currently working on and if they're kind of going like the same way where um you're still experimenting with like so many different kinds of vibes or if you're going to try something different if you're working on any new projects
4: well you know it's uh that's kind of been the big thing of the year for us is that we've been um we've been writing and recording a new album kind of as we speak and and that's been a a long process and i think uh part of that process was for was for us to kind of Take the time and express ourselves, and really write something that's going to take a step up from the, the work that we put into Duner. Like Duner was a lot of experimentation; it was a lot of um, you know learning what we enjoy doing, working with uh, with Ryan, who's done a lot of the recording, and, and kind of seeing what we can g- do there. But then, you know, taking it to the next level and writing stuff that really inspires us—stuff that that we now that we're comfortable with the recording experience, now that we've had the the uh, the chance to go through that. We know what we can and can't do, and we can really push the limits of, of what we put out there. The other thing, too, is Ryan's incredibly talented, and, and uh, you know, when Ryan came in, he was playing guitar, and now he's playing piano, he's doing backing vocals, so really the difference between Dooner and what we're going to be putting out soon is uh, Ryan doing a lot of work, so... Um, it's, it's great. I think, uh, I think we, we're pretty proud of what we're going to be able to put out there. So it's been, uh, it's been the recording process for us in the year and, and working on the next album. I think
2: also, too, um, since Dooner, it's kind of we've had members go all over the place. Like, again, Ryan, when he came into the band, was actually on drums. Mm. And then we finally brought him up to guitar. And I think since we brought Ryan in and we've jumped between drummers, it's just kind of figuring out the sound that we wanted to go for. Because a lot of Duner was, some of the songs were from years ago, and then some of the songs were written with the members at the time, and these ones were written with pretty much the majority of the band that we have now. So it, it feels like more focused, more mature. Uh, it feels more
3: like the the band that we are now. Yeah, definitely. I think the um, the the new record. It, it's gonna feel like it's still it's still diverse in that like we're not sort of pigeonholed into into like one sound um but it, it's definitely more sort of cohesive just in that um you know at, at the very least like the the bulk of the rhythm section has been the same for uh for writing this entire record rather than than dooner where it was kind of it was pretty sort of tumultuous like there was there was member changes we were you know, changing who's on guitar and and all that stuff. There there were a bunch of shifts sort of leading up and, and into uh the production of Duner where it's been it's been more consistent, at least from a songwriting uh perspective on the on the new record. So it'll be more of a cohesive sort of sound and, and message that is coming through. And it's definitely sort of an evolution on what Duner was trying to get accomplished
1: nice that sounds like it's a really cool project to undertake because now that you've all mentioned already like it's more cohesive in the fact that it's like the band members that you have now so it's like you can put out like a very particular kind of sound with all of you together and evolve going forward that's really cool so stay tuned for um monic's upcoming album that they're working on right now my last question for you um is about your performance for spring reverb so what can your fans expect from your performance at spring reverb
3: a lot of jumping and very loud
2: I'm going to do a kickflip on stage. Do a
4: flip. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to watch him fail that kickflip and fall oh down. <laughs> no, I think I think, uh, I think it's, we're really excited. I think this is uh, the first real show that we're going to have with Curtis on drums. And I know Curtis is really, really nervous, but he's an exceptional drummer. So So for starters, you know, we're going to have Curtis putting on a phenomenal experience. And, and for those who haven't seen Curtis or had the wonderful experience of seeing him play music before, then he's going to be amazing and it's going to be a blast to watch. But it's also the first show that we've played since, I think, Christmas. So a lot of us are really eager to get on stage and play again. So it's going to be full of energy. It's going to be very excited. Uh, Andrew's probably going to cry. It's okay. Uh, um, Ryan will just hug him on stage. It's fine. It'll be a really cute experience.
3: Uh, Curtis is Curtis is going to slay, if you will. <laughs>
1: i will if you haven't been on stage for quite a while since christmas this is going to be a really exciting performance to catch especially at spring reverb with all the energy and hype around it so yeah that's really cool thank you so much for coming in today this has been monic thank
3: you thank you for having us thanks Thanks.
1: thank you so much again to monic for joining me to talk about their various tracks and show at spring reverb you can listen to monic on apple music spotify and bandcamp at monic.bandcamp.com and that's M O N A C H Bandcamp.com. You can also keep up to date with them on social media by searching at Monic Band on Instagram and Twitter, and Monic on Facebook. And Monic is spelled M O N A C H for both searches. Be sure to catch Monic live from 6:30 to 7 p.m. at the Mansion located at 506 Princess Street. This all ages show is $20 to attend, and you can get your tickets online at TicketScene.ca. Keep on listening because Lauren chats with Good Fortune up next.
0: Spring Reverb continues into the weekend with a ton of Saturday gigs, including this next performer, Kelsey McNulty, a.k.a. Good Fortune, playing in support of status non-status at the mansion. Kelsey McNulty is a Kingston, Toronto songwriter, musician, and visual artist who joined us in the CFRC studio to bring you the latest on her music and the gig. I'm very pleased to welcome Kelsey McNulty of Good Fortune to CFRC. Thank you so much for being here. How are you doing today?
5: good and my pleasure yeah thanks for having me
0: we're so happy to uh to have you here so uh you'll be playing a spring reverb coming up this weekend as i understand it though in addition to being a musician you're also a visual artist so as a kind of introduction to yourself for our listeners can you maybe talk to us a bit about your music and how you find maybe your art and your music interact
5: yeah absolutely um i uh I guess I would say, I, I mean, I was a musician, at least timeline-wise first, um, but um, I, I sort of got attracted to um, collage art and stop motion animation, sort of as a means to um, to add something visual to music I was releasing. Um, I had an instrumental surf and soul band around 2015 or 16, we were starting out, and um, I wanted to make some pro- promotion videos just because You know, Instagram had blown up and that was how people were promoting music. Um, I guess they still are. And uh, so I started making little animations just with my iPhone, using lots of um, cutout magazines. And um, I would grab stuff like when I was traveling or when I was just see something colorful, I would grab it or something interesting. And so I started developing kind of a catalog of things to cut out from cut pieces from, and uh, that's kind of how it started. And then during the pandemic, um, you know, with uh, touring not happening and shows not happening and you no know, teaching, uh, I really, I was able to delve quite a bit deeper into uh, um, the animation world. And I was finishing my record at the time. And so my idea was, um, was to make animation videos to go with all of the songs, which did not happen, but, uh, <laughs> I think I wound up making, you know, I made a lot of short animations. I made one full length um, stop motion video and then I collaborated with another animator in Toronto who was great, um, Adrian Mountain, and made, um, she did a lot of digital animation, helped with like all the pieces that I sent her and some stop motion animation that I sent her. And so we kind of worked on like the, the, the whole idea of the video together. And that was really fun. Yeah, and actually, funnily enough, today I'm releasing um, the video that I made with um, animation an animator from here, Josh Lyon. Um, uh, I'm releasing the single that's called Stick Around, and um, we're premiering the video that we made for the um, Kingston Film Festival. I'm premiering it at 7 o'clock on YouTube tonight.
0: Yeah, so uh, we're coming to you from Thursday morning here um, with this interview, and so um, by the time you're listening to this, folks, the single in the video will be well available for you to go and check out, and I was actually going to um, ask you about that single. Uh, my, myself, I woke up, I listened to it this morning, I really liked it. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, that track?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I... Hmm, what aspect of it i guess i'll tell you what it's about which uh i i it's it's nice for people to not know what it's about sometimes and interpret it themselves but i'll tell you what it's about for me personally um uh, the idea of sort of showing up um you know at a social gathering and and feeling uncomfortable i think basically anyone's anyone who is Lived a life, <laughs> um, has experienced that at some point, um, and sort of feeling like an outsider, and then having someone um, have the awareness, like to to pick up on it, and then also to welcome you in. And um, you know, uh, my partner and I moved to Kingston about a year and a half ago, and um, you know, I, I think that it, it um, just you know making new making new friends and the challenges of that, especially as you get you get older. It gets mm-hmm. harder, and um, and just having you know, there's people that keep their hearts open, and I'm so grateful. Some people have done that for me when I've felt uncomfortable, and yeah, it's really a song about that, and and about that those people like asking you to like stay and hang out and and um, yeah, stick around, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's so awesome. Cool to hear that kind of perspective um, from you. So yeah, you mentioned you've moved to Kingston now. You're kind of a part of our music scene, as I understand it. You used to be based in Toronto? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so what is the feeling for you now, living in Kingston, to be going into a Kingston show at this still relatively new but pretty large local festival?
5: i'm excited about it i think there's so much um there's so many musicians per capita here it's really amazing like uh how many awesome musicians there are in kingston i mean it was part of our attraction to um when we were looking for somewhere to move out of toronto when it sort of um the pandemic was still happening and we were losing our apartment and um we didn't really have a solid source of income to be able to commit to you know, renting a more expensive place there. We we were looking around, you know, Southern Ontario and different towns and Kingston uh, really had the most appeal for us. Um, a lot because of that and because, I mean, it's also beautiful and, um, yeah, the scene here is really impressive and uh, I'm excited to, yeah, partake this week. And I mean, there's lots <laughs> of bands from outside of Toronto for this festival. Yeah. You uh, and Zune, um I think is just coming off a, an East Coast tour um, so it'll be neat to hear, great to hear them. I think the, it'll be super tight and um, status non-status I don't know but excited to hear those guys. And James Mulville is opening our show um, with his project Fast Fast. She has some really cool video online um, that I remember seeing last year and was like oh what's this and so it's neat. It'll be a really I think interesting sort of eclectic um, mix for our show on Saturday at the mansion. Um, and, and otherwise, uh, yeah, I'm planning to check out as much as I can go to the broom factory tonight if I can get down there and, um, yeah, it's exciting.
0: Yeah, very much looking forward to the festival around here. We've definitely been counting down um, to it and been lucky enough to chat with lots of folks. So very happy to have you here as a part of that. So we talked about the new single. We talked about the upcoming show a little bit. Is there anything you can maybe tell us about? Any plans you have for
5: upcoming work? Um. Yeah, I have... A- my project is um, bilingual and I have another single that um, I'm going to be putting out in July with a, an animation video just that I've made myself. So it'll be all stop motion. Um, and um, yeah, we're going, I'm going to the studio. Um, my rhythm section is coming down in July and we're going to record um, at North of Princess um, and uh, I'm really pumped about that. I have a bunch of new songs that uh, I'm excited to get down and arrange. And um, yeah, and then I'll, I'll probably continue like I did on my record. I recorded some of the stuff uh, once I had bed tracks and stuff, I recorded at home. So I have a pretty, pretty good home studio setup. Um, and North of Princess is a block from my house, so it's very handy. <laughs> and uh, Zane is awesome. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to that. And then, uh, I have a, a trip to uh to l a plan to um, work with an artist there just to try and learn from them some some of their um, projection art um, uh, skills so Yeah, a
0: lot kind of coming up in the next uh,
5: six or eight months.
0: Yeah, a lot of exciting stuff to look forward to. We'll be on the lookout for uh, that other single coming out in July as well. And I think that is a fantastic note to end off on for now. Again, Kelsey, thank you so much for being here. We're really looking forward to it.
5: My pleasure, Lauren. Have a great day. You as well.
0: Good Fortune will be playing the 9.20 p.m. set at the Mansion in support of Status Non-Status, along with Zune and Fast Fast. Tickets are $15 and doors are at 8 p.m. this Saturday, June 3rd. Coming up next, we've got our first returning guest to the show here on The Kingston Curator. After the return of his stolen guitars and the building anticipation for his spring reverb gig with the Savage family band, local musician Tom Savage returns to the show to chat with Mary McKetty and bring us an awesome live performance. Plus, keep it locked for Mary to bring us your live music calendar for the week.
1: Next up, I've got local country and folk legend Tom Savage here at the station. Tom has been performing electric shows for over 20 years, mixing country, folk, the hint of blues, and fast-paced rock and roll with his dynamic voice and killer guitar shredding. I'm very lucky to have him back here at the station with me to share a wonderful update about his guitar and equipment, as well as perform here in the studio for you. Today, I'm back here with Tom Savage. Thank you so much for coming in today. Um, You've got a really (laughs) exciting update to share with everyone. So before I say too much, do you want to share that update um, about your guitar and equipment with our listeners?
6: Well, yeah, I got my guitars back. Almost exactly the same time, seven days later, as they were stolen, I got them. Got them back. Amazing.
1: Yeah, the timing Amaz- was dead on. <laughs>
6: <laughs> it was a lot to do with social media. All those shares. It was like seventy eight hundred or something by the time it was done. Wow. And uh, when I got them back, they were. It was still getting shared, so I had to edit. I said, I got them back. So like, don't worry. Don't keep sharing. This piece. <laughs> but. But yeah, that, it put a lot of pressure on uh, whoever stole them. They weren't caught, they're were going to prison or anything. But mm-hmm. <laughs> which is fine. Like I, I didn't want any, really anyone to go to jail. I just wanted them to do the right thing and give the guitars back, and they did. They were shamed into it or whatever they. T- <laughs> 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 However that happened, but it kind of yeah. There's there's layers to the whole story. So I was on here. I, f- I forget what day it was. I think uh, it was uh, uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. yeah, it was a Friday that week, like Friday morning, mm-hmm. like nothing was happening. I was like, keep sharing, guys, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, I, and I contacted all the, the pawn shops and Long McQuay got in touch with me and, you know, was trying to help me out with uh, with certain things. And so I was taking all those steps, but I, I woke up, uh, it was like 6.30 a.m., looked at my phone and a, a friend of mine had called me. He's like, I got tips on your guitars and uh, like a, in a message and then i looked at uh, the facebook messenger and there were pictures of my guitars mm. that he sent to me that someone had sent to him that someone had sent to them that someone had sent <laughs> and on and oh on God. so but it it got passed along through the dark web <laughs> <laughs> whatever <laughs> the under layers <laughs> of the internet <laughs> yeah it was the uh through the crime circles or (laughs) i don't know but uh this person tried to extort money out of me they 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 said we'll give you your guitars back if you pay us fifteen hundred dollars and i said no i said how about (laughs) yeah just do the right thing and give them back or go to jail yeah because you know it's only a matter of time with all the sharing that was going on they they basically couldn't move the guitars They are so hot, so recognizable after all that. So they just tried their hand at extortion. (laughs) Extorting for fun, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, I said, you know, send this message back to them through however that worked. And uh, I said, you tell them they have by the afternoon or things are going to escalate. And at the same time, another friend of mine who works for the police force, he got in touch with me. And he had the same. He's a tour manager for 5440, so he had in a similar experience mm. where they got seven guitars stolen, and they they got six of them back. But he's like, "Oh, I feel for you. Anything you do to help?" And I said, uh, "So I told him, I said, well, there's something going down. Mm. I'd, I'm giving them a chance to give it back, but if if they don't contact me, I'll be in touch.' And they didn't contact me, mm. so I I said, can you?'" you know shake the tree for me so he sent out a couple of constables on the town to start knocking on doors there was a tip of someone who knew something yeah. about somebody and all, how that goes and and Kingston I think is a pretty small town still for as far as police they kind of know people who know people deal kind of- in stolen goods and yeah that, that kind of thing so he's like oh yeah we're we're working it and I talked to the constables and give them all the information and yeah they were on the trail so it went about my day and then the next morning nothing was happening and I was like "Eh." I just wasn't expecting to see them for a long time (laughs) but I I messaged uh, my police friend again and he said oh we're you know three or four links down the chain we're going where it's imminent where we're going to get these people and so I think what happened was word got out that the the cops were out because I don't like if I, I don't know if I didn't have a friend in the on the police force that this would get too much attention by the police because it's not a violent crime or anything. So yeah. you know, it happens a lot. I, uh, I don't know. But uh, the thief got wind that they were closing down on him or her. And uh, yeah, so and and an hour after I talked to him, my friend called me. He's like, "Oh, I got your guitars," and he so they got dropped off somewhere to so someone he knew, and he went and got them, and I met him and got them back.
1: Yeah, that's which is so exciting.
6: Yeah, it's it's so weird. It's very uh, kind of cloak and dagger uh, intrigue
1: sting operation,
6: <laughs> but. I think like collectively everybody was kind of ticked off about this happening. Yeah. Even like the police and the other side of the law. Like even the people dealing in stolen goods are like, "No, don't do that." Yeah, don't <laughs> do don't. this. <laughs> <laughs> Give them back. <laughs> <laughs> Give them back. <laughs> so, yeah, I was I was shocked, really. Like I I had a feeling I'd get them back. Mm-hmm. Like because they were Different looking guitars, and I was so well known for playing that Nighthawk, so like it was only a matter of time. But I thought months, years, Mm. not like seven days, literally, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it was amazing,
1: yeah. Like, especially okay, like the chain link of how you're able to get them back is just wow, like how it was all pieced together. But the fact that you got them back, especially in such a short amount of time after like. Having the community like come together and yeah. be able to get the word out. And well, stuff like yeah, that.
6: you and and uh, and Big FM and uh, K Rock and the Wig Standard and like everybody was uh, doing stories about it. Mm-hmm. So it was like that plus social media, mm-hmm. which was huge. It's like and it's a good example. Of, like when I posted that, I I got them back. It was just. It, it made a lot of people stay, you know like they just getting a lot of comments oh good news story of the year just like to read something good yeah on the uh happy ending kind of thing and yeah so that was it was really nice to see that
1: yeah i know i was really happy when i got the email about it and i was oh my god this is so exciting Yeah. <laughs> yeah so thank you for sharing that um, so now that you've gotten your Gibson Nighthawk returned, will you be using, um, your Gibson Nighthawk at your upcoming performance, um, this Sunday at Spring Reverb, or will you be using your acoustic guitar?
6: I will be using my Gibson Nighthawk, but I will also be using the other guitar that got stolen, mm-hmm. that I just had modified, so. Okay. It's an Epiphone Wildcat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it'll be fun. Yeah. To play those. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Spring Reverb, where. uh, at the mansion uh jen calder's opening up and it's a free show all ages show mm-hmm. in the sunshine it'll be good yeah 3 p.m right in the afternoon yeah <laughs> 3 p.m i think i covered all that mm-hmm. and also my band dead root Revivals playing june 10th at the RCHA, so that's a full-on rock show yeah and uh, the Nighthawk will be in full effect there.
1: Yeah, the Nighthawk <laughs> is making a return. Just, this is so great.
6: Extra mojo.
1: Yeah, you gotta bring it back. It's gotta <laughs> have a comeback. <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing all of this with me, and um, Tom is not just here to um, talk about the exciting update about the return of his guitars and equipment, he's also here to play a song, which is really, really cool. Um, so the song that you're playing is called Some People, so feel free to take it away whenever you're ready.
6: Yeah, this is a song we do with Savage Family Band, so mm-hmm. you'll hear this electrified on Sunday if you come on out. Yeah. But do the unplugged version here. <laughs>
7: people got something to hide and some people they're along for the ride and some people known all along and some people they were already gone some people lie some people cheat Some people can't seem to stay on their feet Some people bleed like they're stuck Some people live small Some people dream big Some people looking for an easy way out Some don't believe And some are devout Some know the devil Some know the Lord It all depends on which one That they can afford Some people Just what to do, and some people never saw a day that they thought they'd make it through. Some drown their sorrows, some drown their fears. Some people seem to squander away all the years. Opportunity now, they were out of town, or it was lonely at the top a long way down Some people cheer Some people curse Some people fall that Good book Chapter and verse and Some wish they didn't Some wish they did Some people talk so much There ain't no way you're gonna keep on that list Some go to parties Some stay home in the ray-frame log cabin or the geodesic dome. Some people, some people.
1: Thank you so much for playing some people here at the station for everyone listening and thank you so much for coming in today.
6: Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you so much again to Tom Savage for performing for us here at the station and for sharing the amazing news about the return of his guitar and equipment. You can listen to more of Tom's music on Apple Music, Spotify, and Bandcamp at tomsavage.bandcamp.com. For more about Tom, you can visit his Facebook page at Tom Savage Music or his website at tomsavage.ca. Don't miss out on Tom's live performance with Savage Family Band from 4.45 to 6pm at the Mansion Patio, located at 506 Princess Street. This all-ages show is for you to attend and it'd be great to have you there. Now stay tuned because I've got your live music lineup coming up next. today's live music lineup, I'll be highlighting some performances you can catch starting tonight, June 2nd, until Monday, June 5th from amazing artists like Whitehorse, Mother Tongues, Jared Matson, Rory Talon, DJ D'Oscary, DJ LK, and DJ Haircut. Stay tuned because you don't want to miss these details. If you're unable to catch a Spring Reaver performance tonight, don't worry because Flying V Productions presents Whitehorse Live from 8.30 to 11.30pm at the Blue Martini, located at 178 Ontario Street. Luke Doucette and Melissa McClellan make up this Juno award-winning duo, who are known for their ever-changing folk, psychedelic, blues, and pop noir sounds. They're set to perform songs from their new LP, I'm Not Crying, You're Crying, which you can listen to by heading to Eventbrite.ca to purchase your tickets for $30. Doors open at 7pm and their show is 19+. Tomorrow June 3rd, Mother Tongues and Jared Matson are live from 7-11pm to 11 p.m. at Hotel Wolf Island, located at 1237 County Road 96. Active in Toronto since 2014, Mother Tongues takes inspiration from psychedelic music of the past to explore new psychedelic sounds in the present. Accompanying them is New York City-based Jared Matson, who is known for his rich, bass-prominent sound inspired by reggae stalwarts and for his profoundly introspective lyrics. Head over to showclicks.com, and that's s h o w c l i x.com, and enter Mother Tongues and Jared Matson into the search bar so you can purchase your tickets for $15. This Sunday, June 4th, join alt-folk singer Rory Tallon from 3 to 5 p.m. at Hotel Wolf Island, located at 1237 County Road 96. He's got a special matinee performance ready as part of his self-titled East Coast Tour. This show is free to attend, but make sure to RSVP on Facebook at facebook.com slash Rory Tallon, and that's R-O-R-Y-T-A-I-L-L-O-N. If you get post-Spring Reverb Blues after this weekend, three of Kingston's finest DJs are coming together next Monday, June 5th, from 5.30 to 10pm at Hotel Wolf Island, located at 1237 County Road 96. DJ DJ LK, and DJ Haircut are sure to pick up your mood with electronic grooves. Tickets are $10 or pay what you can, so head over to the doors at 5.30pm and learn more at hotelwolfisland.com events. That's all I've got for you on Live Music Lineup on this week's episode of Kingston Curator, but stay tuned because we've got more coming up next.
0: In local theatre news, you can look out for two new productions opening next week in Kingston – Over the River and Through the Woods, a comedy by Joe DiPietro and directed by Michelle McNichol, opens at Domino Theatre on June 8th, running through the 24th. Tickets are $20 for adults and $10 for children and students, plus a handling fee, and are available through the Grand Theatre box office. For more information, visit dominotheater.com. And at Bottle Tree Productions, A Stitch, written and directed by Eric Rutherford, will be running from June 8th to 25th at the Bottle Tree Studio. This production features music from local musician cacao and tickets are just under $25 for general admission. You can visit bottletreeinc.com for more information about this upcoming show. Coming up to the end of the hour, we're going to turn over to local performance art and visual art news. Next week, we'll have two fantastic arts events hitting Kingston, the Festival of Live Digital Art and the Art of Community Tet Tuesday Exhibition. After many weeks of holding creative space for local artists at the Tet, the final exhibition of the Tet Tuesday program will be running from June 6th to 11th. Co-curators Alice Millow and Sasha Jimenez-French sat down with us at the Curator to give us a look at the upcoming exhibition. We are here with Alice Milo and Sasha Jimenez, French creativity studio artists at the Tet and co-curators of the upcoming The Art of Community Tet Tuesday exhibition. Welcome to CFRC, you two. Thanks, Lauren. Yeah, thanks for having us, Lauren. Really excited to be chatting with you about the upcoming uh, exhibition. So for our listeners who maybe might not have the background on the TET Center or on TET Tuesday, can you run us through a little bit of what this program is and what your roles in TET Tuesday have been?
8: Uh, the TED Tuesday was um, originally created so that, that our community could get together every second Tuesday of the month here at the TET. Um, It's wonderful, especially for newcomers to Kingston to meet new people and we create together. So you might have people bringing in watercolors or ink or just drawing or knitting. Um, It's just a great two hours every month for us all to get together. Um, Everyone's invited and we just create and talk and, and just be a community together.
0: Oh, that sounds fantastic. I'm good to get folks introduced to that space who maybe aren't uh, as aware of it yet. Um, Can you tell us um, from your both of your perspective, kind of the work that's gone into bringing this exhibition now to life from the Tet Tuesday program?
9: Yeah, it's the whole project is really community based. Um, Like Alice said, we're a free art making space at the Tet. So whether you're super artistically inclined or exploring something new, it's great. And then the exhibition kind of unfolds from there. Um, It's sponsored by the Tet, they host us in the space and everyone submits work that they have created not necessarily during this Tet Tuesday time, but it's more to foster um, a place for people who are participating in Tet Tuesday and give them somewhere to show for free, to show in a space. Uh, you know, in a professional scaled show. So now Alice and I are working on, we've curated the submissions and we'll be hanging all the work this week. And then the show will open on Tuesday.
0: Awesome. Yeah, it's fast approaching. Um, I'm sure it's a very uh, busy time. And speaking of kind of curating this exhibition, I was wondering for folks who may not be as familiar with that sort of process, can you talk a little bit about what the role of a curator is in events like this?
9: Uh yeah, I think it's mostly just stepping in to offer some general guidance in this kind of community led project. Um, where Alice and I are really excited just to kind of give a chance to say, like, you know, we think the- these works could be shown really nice together. And in a bigger community show like this, we are gonna have a lot more variety. There's not a general theme, um, which is always nice because then there's a lot of art that speaks to a big crowd. Um which we
0: love. Yeah, for sure. Um, Can you talk to us a little bit about what different kinds of work we can expect to see on display at the exhibition?
8: Yeah, this year we have a great variety of different mediums. So we have um, oil paintings, acrylics, ink. We have sketches, which is fantastic. We also have people who are jewelry, um, bead makers, yeah, it's just a really great variety of different mediums and art that you can expect in this community exhibition.
9: And most of the work will be also for sale so it is a great place to come and support some smaller artists that aren't necessarily being represented by galleries or showing in um, kind of some of the bigger festivals or shows throughout the city.
0: Oh, yeah. Awesome. Sounds like it's a great opportunity for folks to come out and really support local artists in that way. And kind of speaking of which, um, working as creativity studio artist at the Tet, what would you say is the role you found um, broader community plays uh, in your own work for both of you?
9: I mean, community is always huge in in my practice I love working on collaborative projects but I think being at the Tet really puts you in the forefront of connection with the community on a daily basis which I appreciate Um, because I think it can be really isolating as an artist to just be in your studio even if you have like a really blossoming social media practice that doesn't necessarily mean you're always physically engaging with someone on a daily basis and because we have open studios here at the Tet we are just with each other all the time and we're with like public that's coming through so anyone is welcomed and encouraged to come and visit our space all the time because that's that is part of the mandate of this space is that like there's accessibility to studio artists to come in and to see what work is happening and to to find out as a community member how can i be a part of the like blossoming art scene that Kingston is yeah and for me uh because i teach
8: in the community in different Spots in Kingston as well as here at the Tet. It's just a great way to um, just to meet people and make them happy and give them educational resources to art here at the Tet
0: yeah for sure all of that sounds uh, fantastic again yeah it's always so interesting to hear like the degree to which the Tet is open for people to drop by and explore kind of what's going on there Um, yeah just to kind of finish off um, I know we've talked a lot about the kind of work to expect um, at the exhibition and kind of what's going into it but what would be the invitation that the both of you would extend to the public to come on down to this particular event
8: So June the 6th, which is the Tuesday, is our opening reception from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. And all is welcome. So everyone is welcome to the opening reception. And then the gallery show dates are from June 7th to the 11th. And we will be open every day from 9.30 a.m. till 5 p.m.
9: Yeah, and I think if you can make it on the Tuesday opening, come for that. Because that is really what this project is about it is about community engaging engaging with each other um you can meet a lot of the artists and you know we're always encouraging everyone to you know tap into their artistic creative side and that's what we hope this exhibit does that on one hand it um fosters the artists we're currently working with by giving them space to show but it also opens doors for community members who are looking for ways to express themselves creatively and don't have access to that right now
0: Yes. Awesome. That's so great to hear. And I think that's a great note for us to end off on for now. Thank you so much for being here. Listeners, again, the Art of Community Tet Tuesday exhibition opens on Tuesday, June sixth, and runs until the 11th with free admission. And the opening reception is on the 6th from 630 to 830pm. You can visit tetcenter.org slash events for full show hours and more information. And thank you again, Alice and Sasha for being here. Thanks, Lauren. Have a great day. You as well. We've got one more conversation to bring you in this episode of the Kingston Curator. The Festival of Live Digital Art will be hitting Kingston next week, running from June 7th to 10th. The focus of this year's festival is artists with disabilities and the importance of inclusivity and features dance performances, film screenings, performance art, and a free family silent disco event on June 10th, 2023, which features live ASL interpretation. Coming to us from the Folda team is Michael Wheeler, co-curator of the festival. Check it out. I'd like to welcome to CFRC Michael Wheeler, Director of Artistic Research at Spiderweb Show Performance, Assistant Professor at the Dan School, and co-curator of the Festival of Live Digital Art. Thank you so much for being here.
10: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: Just to start off, I, as I understand it, Folda is now in its sixth year. Many congratulations on that. But for our listeners who might not be familiar with the festival or what kind of art it presents, how would you describe the event to them?
10: Yeah, so FOLDA stands for Festival of Live Digital Art. Uh, and so this is essentially a festival we started because we felt uh, that the digital transformation that was happening to live performance uh, needed a place where people could come annually and check in to see like where technology and performance was at, what are new ways it's being integrated, a place where there could be discussions and workshops and performances and works in progress all around this idea of how digital technology is transforming uh, live performances.
0: That is fantastic. I think that's a really great kind of gateway into talking about it. So this year's focus, as I understand it, is that um, on artists with disabilities and the importance of inclusivity in the arts. So given this kind of digital and hybrid nature that Folda kind of represents and the art that it presents, did this theme of this year grow naturally out of the accessibility that the internet and technology has the potential to provide, or did the idea come about another way?
10: Oh, that's an interesting question. I actually, something I'm very proud of with the festival is I think that it's just always been a theme with us. We've all, even when we like didn't have any funding and we're just building a budget for the first time for like this imaginary festival we might put on, we still included a $10,000 line for access and accessibility needs just as uh, just a principle of how we were building the festival. And so we've always included um, artists, that have different abilities and um, try to welcome in audiences obviously as well. So it's not just about kind of making accessible work, but also making a festival where um, being an artist is also accessible. Uh, So uh, that being said this year, you know, there is um, a one local work by Aaron Ball and Maxine Beauregard, which uh, is an alpha. And so um, just to kind of get into what that means, we have an iterative uh, development process here, which is to say you can present your work at Fulda as an alpha, which is a brand new idea, a beta, which is something you've been working on that's ready for some public testing, or uh, what we call our go presentations, which are our fully finished works. So uh, Aaron and Maxime are doing a piece called Intercomplementary Elements, uh, and um, they, uh, I don't want to kind of spoil what they're up to, but they uh, are calling it an immersive accessibility experience about a queer love story. Uh, and that will um, yeah so that will be in the studio theater at the Isabel uh, on June 10th Um, and um, we also have another artist um, that is with us this year named Amy Amentia working with theater replacement and Amy's piece actually was an alpha last year uh, and now has moved up the chain as a beta test Mm -hmm. so they did some work last year they've come back with a new thing and Amy is a blind artist Uh, And so I don't want to give more away what's going on with her project called Through My Lens, but um, just to say that this is Amy's second year with us, and uh, um, Amy's work will also be live-streamed so that uh, that work can can be enjoyed by the, the community that's interested in her work across the country.
0: Oh, that's fantastic uh, to hear. Um, Speaking of, when you talk to us about how accessibility and inclusivity has kind of been ingrained into Folda from this origin point, can you talk to us a bit how you think this festival can maybe be an example or at the forefront in our community of increasing accessibility and inclusivity in the arts as kind of a, um, just an example?
10: Sure, well, I mean, uh, you know, uh, We uh, at Folda, Folda is produced by Spiderweb Show Performance, which is uh, the company that we created that makes digital art and also makes this festival. And um, during the pandemic, Spiderweb Show very briefly dipped its toes into being consultants because we know so much about digital stuff. And during the pandemic, uh, a lot of people needed to know about digital stuff all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we were hired to um, write a report for the... Toronto live performance community about digital tech, live streaming, except like all of these kind of questions that came up when, when no one could get together physically to make theater. And uh, our report really came to the conclusion that like, look, there's a lot of different things about digital theater that you may or may not like, depending on what type of artist you are and how important like sharing the same physical space is to you in your artistic process. But the one thing you really kind of can't deny is that digital integration has the capacity to really increase accessibility. Right. So just the capacity to have captioning through digital tech is an accessibility issue. The ability to live stream shows out to the people who might have mobility issues or might have different like emotional issues not wanting to be in the same room as a certain type of content, you increase the accessibility with live streaming. There um, are different ways to provide uh, ASL interpretation using digital tech that make it a lot simpler. So, I mean, there, it seems to be like coming out of the pandemic, reflecting on all the digital experimentation that was done. I think some people feel someone's positive, someone's negative, but I think we can really take away that in terms of increasing access and accessibility, digital tools have a lot to offer.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic to hear. I think that it's always really great to hear about something positive that kind of came out of that experience that was definitely a bit of a shake-up for everyone including i think a lot of arts workers and performers so yeah great to hear that something uh good has come out of that experience that spiderweb show had um so you talked to us about a few of the artists that are featuring their different projects here it looks like there's a lot of amazing events that are queued up for the festival can you tell us about any more that kind of come to mind for our listeners to check out sure well i can't
10: not mention our closing concert with dj Shub, uh presents, where he presents war club live uh dj uh Shubb is um you know a polaris polaris nominated musician uh someone who kind of really tours pretty large venues and is a really important indigenous um, contemporary musician in canada uh, and he has a wild live show, like, especially for the Isabel concert, all for your listeners that are familiar with that space, is is not necessarily something you would always associate with the word word wild, but like his show, like, I don't know if anyone's going (laughs) to sit. So, you know, just to say, I think that will be a real fun end of festival concert presented by DJ Shubb. And, you know, something that doesn't get a lot of play that I think is really interesting, is the show Asses Masses by Patrick Blencarn and Milton Lim. Uh, And they're beta testing this before it it gets its its real premiere later in uh, Toronto. Uh, So this is kind of their last test of this kind of concept where they've built a video game that is a show. Oh my gosh. so I it's, I how much are you allowed to give away in this one? You need, a bit of, you need a bit of time. So just to say like the show starts at 4 and you're going to leave the theater somewhere between like 9 and 11 p.m. All right. So that's one thing to know. But uh, the audience plays a custom video game together. Uh, and the audience itself becomes a character as well, I'll say. So a really interesting kind of integration of digital tech and liveness and, and audience.
0: That is fantastic to hear, um, and I think that's a really great note to end off on for now. So thank you so much for being here. Listeners, the Festival of Live Digital Art runs from June 7th to 10th. Single tickets are pay what you wish, starting from 10 to $20, and passes for the entire festival are $100. Tickets, passes, and a full calendar of events are available on their website, folda.ca. And thank you again, Michael, for being here. Thank you so much. That does it for us this week on the Kingston Curator, but remember, you can find this episode and many more on our podcast feed wherever you do get your podcasts. Be sure to tune in next week for your creative scoop. This is Lauren Tucker with Mary McKetty, signing off on 101.9 FM CFRC. Have a fantastic weekend.